because you've experienced his love. Okay. You know that he loves you because you can feel his love and you can see the impact and effect of his love on your life and on the lives of those around you. Okay. The words and truths of the Bible simply confirm what you already know in your heart. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I've met people on the missions field who knew that Jesus loved them and had never held a Bible in their hand. If your knowledge and understanding of the love that God pours out through his son, Jesus Christ, is based solely on the witness of the scriptures, then your understanding of God's love is mere religious dogma. When it could and should be the living, vibrant, and intimate relationship through the Holy Spirit that he intended it to be and paid such a high price to secure. He didn't go to the cross so that you could read a book. Listen to Jesus' dialogue with the Jews after he had healed on the Sabbath day, which was contrary to their religious practice. John 5, 36 but I have greater witness than that of John, John the Baptist, for the works which the Father has given me that I should finish, the works which I do themselves witness of me, that the Father has sent me, and he is sending me. The Father himself has borne witness of me. Neither have you heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape, and you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe him who he has sent. You search the scriptures. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are the ones witnessing of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. You might have life. Christianity is not a learning process. It's a living process. And it's more than a way of living. It's the way of life. It is the way that life, your life and my life, can connect with the very source of all life. And simply knowing about him is not enough. Luke 24, 13, this is a very interesting story. This happened uh, just after Jesus was crucified, was dead, buried, and all of a sudden there's an empty tomb, and that's as much as they know. A couple of the disciples really discouraged, decide to go back home to their own hometown and this is their story. And then two of them, on that very day, were going to a little town named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking together about all those things which had taken place. And while they were talking and questioning together, Jesus himself came near and went with them. 
but their eyes were not open that they might have knowledge of him. Their eyes were not open that they might have knowledge of him. We're going to mess around with that word knowledge in a couple of minutes, okay? And he said to them, what are you talking about together while you go? Then stopping and looking sadly at him, one of them named Cleopas said to him, are you the only man living in Jerusalem who has not had news of the things which have taken place there at this time? And he said to them, what things? And they said, the things to do with Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, great in his acts and his words before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers gave him up to be put to death on the cross. But we were hoping that he would be the savior of Israel. In addition to all this, he has now let three days go by from the time when these things took place, and certain women among us gave us cause for wonder. For they went early to the place where his body had been put, and it was not there. Then they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was living. And some of those who were with us went to the place and saw that it was as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said, that is, Jesus said to them, O foolish men, how slow you are to give belief to what the prophets have said. Was it not necessary for the Christ to go through the things, through these things, and to come into his glory? For he made clear to them all the things in the writings from Moses and from the prophets, which had to do with himself. And they came near the town to which they were going, and he seemed as if he was going on. But they kept him back, saying, Do not go, for evening is near. The day is almost gone. And he went in with them. And when he was seated with them at table, he took the bread. Now see where he is? He's at the table. He's at the table. These odd little moments when Christ is going to do something powerful. He loves to sit to eat. Fran, you bear witness with this? Yeah, you do. I knew you would. And he said, words of blessing and making division of it. He broke the bread and he gave it to them and their eyes were open and they had knowledge of him. They ate bread, their eyes opened and they had knowledge of him. But he went from their view. In other words, he vanished. Hmm? And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning in us while he was talking to us on the way, making clear to us the holy writings? And that very hour they got up and went back to Jerusalem where the eleven and the others had come together and they said to them, the Lord has truly come back to life again and Simon has, been, and Simon has seen him. And they gave an account of the things which had taken place on the way and how when he had gave them bread, they had knowledge of him. Knowledge of him. Epigonosco. Epigonosco. To know upon some mark by implication, to become fully acquainted with. To become fully acquainted with, to know. 
The first part of the word epi, epi, means a primary preposition properly meaning a superimposition of time, place, and order. In other words, an odd little moment is about to invade your life. A superimposition. In other words, God is forcing his agenda into your world. In a moment of time, you just walk into that. While the second part of the word, word gnosko, means a prolonged form of a primary verb to know, absolutely know, in a great variety of applications and with many implications. Now, that, that's the, the sneaky part of this, is the implications. It implies something more than what it states. The implications stem from the use of the same word, gnosko, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, called the Septuagint, of Genesis 4.1, where it states, and Adam knew, gnosko, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And she conceived. Knew. Yada, in Hebrew. Translated gnosko in the Greek, and it refers to an intimacy between two that is life-producing. An intimacy between two that is life-producing. So we see Jesus epi, or superimpose his life into the lives of these two disciples through an intimate act, the breaking of bread. This is my body, right? It wasn't just bread in his hand. This is my body, broken for you, this intimate act. This is my body, and it awakens, or it brings to life the knowledge of the life of Christ that is already in them. Church, we need to be awakened. This is a time when God is awakening his church. These intimate moments should be abundant in our life. This is the same as Peter's confession. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? Remember Jesus' response? Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Something came to life in Peter. A revelation was birthed in his inner man, and suddenly he knew. He knew Jesus in a way that no other had ever known him up until that moment of time. The Father had superimposed himself on Peter's life, and now Jesus superimposes himself into the lives of these two disciples. Why? Because... I only do what I see the Father do. And now Jesus does what the Father does because he valued both the action and the fruit of what he saw the Father do. This intimacy is so important to Jesus that it becomes the very hallmark of legitimate Christianity. And Jesus provides us with some very sobering insight into the consequences of a superficial relationship with him. In Matthew chapter 7, he says this in verse 20, Therefore by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Did you say it? 
You call him Lord? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and through your name throw out demons and through your name do many wonderful works? And then I will say to them, I never knew, I never gnoscoed you. Depart from me, those working lawlessness. Lawlessness. See, you did the stuff, but you didn't have the fruit. See, it's one thing to exercise gifts. They're freely given. All the gifts of God are freely given in Christ. You can be gifted and not intimate. Some wives know what that means. Hard-working husbands don't know how to love. And this is not the loss of eternal life, because that is a free gift of God. But it is the loss of eternal intimacy with the king of glory. Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves to practice falsehood. Depart from me, you who are lawless. Lord, Lord, depart from me, you who are lawless. I never knew you. Falsehood. It's a false Christianity. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Now, these are hard scriptures. I do not share them in order to judge or condemn anyone, but to inform and to bring warning to those who have ears to hear. Remember, the Apostle Paul states this, if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. Right? If you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. And let's face it, we would only go through all that it takes to honestly judge ourselves if the outcome was of more value to us than what we are letting go of or facing in order to be free of the effect of it upon our lives. In other words, if you hold him more valuable than the thing that holds you back from him, you're going to judge yourself. If you hold him of more value than the thing that holds you from him, then you will judge yourself because you'll want to get rid of this in order to get that because he's more valuable than anything that's possessing you right now.
if you knew that an attitude, an action, an addiction, a secret sin, I mean, if you really knew that those things would keep you from eternal intimacy with Jesus and cause him to turn away from you, then the only thing you really have to determine is which you value more, eternal fellowship with the Savior of your soul or the momentary reward you get from keeping whatever it is that is keeping you. Because you see, being outside of direct intimacy with Jesus is not the fate of the faithful servant. In Revelation 22.1, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, which its 12 kinds of fruit yielding eats its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's the reward of the faithful, intimacy with the Lord. Jesus valued the Father's values because he knew the Father and he wants the same for us. Jesus talking in uh, John 15. I'm reading from a uh, less standard Bible here. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch in me which is, has no fruit, and every branch which has fruit he makes clean. In other words, he prunes it so that it may have more fruit. In other words, if you deal with your stuff, if you judge yourself, you become more fruitful for God. Right? That's what it's all about, more fruitful for God, producing more life. That's what fruitfulness means, right? You are clean even now through the teaching which I have given you. Be in me at all times. Be in me at all times. Is that intimate? As I am in you. As the branch is not able to give fruit of itself, if it is, if it is not still on the vine, you are, so you are not able to do so if you are not in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who is in me at all times as I am in him gives much fruit. Because without me, you are able to do... See, that's a big, big zero. If a man does not keep himself in me, he becomes dead and is cut off like a dry branch. Such branches are taken up and put in the fire and burned. If you are in me at all times and my words are in you, then anything for which you make a request will be done for you. So I just want to suggest here in this little sentence, if you're praying about something a lot and getting nowhere, If you're praying about something a lot 
getting no answer, getting nowhere. And something is wrong with your relationship with Jesus. Your intimacy level is not deep enough. Because if you're in him and he's in you, you'll ask anything in his name and it will be done for you. Okay? So the fruit is the proof. The fruit is the proof. It will be known by their long prayers, a lot of meetings, good dialogue, nice guy. Be known by their fruit. What's coming out of your life tells everyone what's coming into your life. Here is my Father's glory in that you give much fruit and so you are my true disciples. Even as the Father has given me his love, so I have given my love to you. Be ever in my love. If you keep my laws, you will be ever in my love, even as I have kept my Father's laws and am ever in his love. I've said these things to you so that I may have joy in you and so that your joy may be complete. Who could use a, a dose of joy, right? I mean, I wish we could bottle joy and, and ship it out free to all these people suffering under this pandemic. My goodness, right? This is the law I give you. Have love one for another, even as I have love for you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man gives up his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I give you orders to do. No longer do I give you the name of servants, because a servant is without knowledge. A servant is without knowledge, right? A slave never has intimacy. A servant is never intimate with his master. But a friend has an open door of intimacy. A servant is without knowledge of what his master is doing. I give you the name of friends because I have given you knowledge. Gnosko. I'm inviting you in. I'm standing at your door. I'm knocking. I'm asking you to open up to me. For I've given you knowledge of all the things which my Father has said to me. You did not take me for yourselves, but I took you for myself. And I gave you the work of going about and producing fruit, which will be forever, so that whatever request you make to the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Your fruitfulness is the barometer of your fruitfulness. <laughs> Jesus valued what his father valued, and he lived a life of power, compassion, intimacy, integrity, and sacrifice. I believe he wants us to live the same way. And we can, through the active work of the Holy Spirit, in our lives, and by learning those things that Christ valued and doing them, what Wimber would call doing the stuff, doing the stuff, the stuff that Jesus did. What do you do for church? We do the stuff. 
What stuff? The stuff that Jesus did, right? We love each other. We eat meals together. We pray for each other. We sing together, right? I mean, doing the stuff. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack for you the vineyard values, the drivers behind why we do what we do as a movement, as a local community of believers, and as individual lovers of Jesus. As we grow in our understanding of the value of the values that we value, did you catch that? <laughs> I thought that was really cute. the value of the values that we value, we free up our souls and minds from distractions that demand our attention, from affection to those things that rob us of the deep intimacy that is only found in Christ and from the dead works of mere religious ritual. Values are our treasure map for discovering the hidden things of Christ that offer us life and life more abundant. One of the things that always kind of stuns people when Martha and I uh, go to weddings and end up at tables with the unregenerate, the unsaved, the least of these, she'll usually make the statement somewhere in, in the conversation, oh yeah, I'm one of 11 kids. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 10 brothers and sisters and da-da-da. Wow, really fruitful. Right? Wow, we've got 31 grandkids. What? Eight greats. What? Really fruitful. Right? It's an indicator. You guys... Love life. You live life to the fullest. How do I know that? Because you're fruitful. Right? So do you want to know gnosko? Gnosko. Know intimate relationship with Jesus so that you produce more life. More life. I don't know how far the Lord will take Martha's conversation with that young lady who had never heard, never mind about Jesus, never heard about God, nothing, zero, nada. Right? Where's he going to go with that? What's going to be the fruit of that little conversation around a table, eating lamb, eating lamb? <laughs> Uh, it was so biblical, I mean, right? <laughs> Eating lamb. It was awesome. Yeah, we, we had a, a Jew at our table. So, anyways, yada. Do you want to know Jesus in a deeper, more intimate way? Well, let's pray together. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to the deepest parts of our heart and beings in a yada kind of way so that we might experience his presence, be transformed 
by his love-producing kingdom of God life for the glory of Jesus. Would you stand with me? So I'm going, I'm going to pray a kind of general prayer, an inv invitational prayer to the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, that he would come and just find his way into any void area of your heart, any part of your heart that needs to be awakened uh, to something new for you. See, Jesus came and he said, listen, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. So you, you might be living life and missing abundant life. It's a little, little saying I heard years ago, uh, the greatest enemy of the best is the good. We settle for one thing and stop pursuing the better. So this is a moment of going after the best that he has to offer. So I invite you to come, Holy Spirit, in all your splendor and glory, majesty, the expression of the loving kindness and goodness and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Father who continually gives and gives and gives that he might draw us ever closer to himself. Would you come and examine our hearts today? Lord, if there's any void, if there's any hole, if there's any place of darkness where hidden things are kept secretly stored that are draining away the abundance of life that you offer to us, would you shine your light there that we might see judge ourselves and be done with it, that we might grow a little closer to Jesus today because you came and ministered. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask the uh, prayer teams to come up here. Make your way up. Our prayer teams are assigned for the day. And perhaps Jesus has shown you something. Maybe there's something that even throughout this little talk you've recognized, man, I wish I could be done with this. I wish I could move on to that. You know, if there's been a question forming in your heart or your mind, and come up and get some ministry time. Get some, some hands-on kind of prayer. You know, get before the Lord. Get with your brothers and your sisters. You know, the Bible tells us pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. Why? gets us closer, gets us, creates these odd little moments, gives inroads to the Holy Spirit to do things that we can't do for ourselves. Okay. So there'll be some folks up here for prayer. If you need a little more, come and get it. It's free of charge and uh, given with a lot of love. All right. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Don't forget, 1230, we'll be back here ordaining a couple of men to pursue the higher callings of Christ on their lives. It's be an exciting time. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his countenance shine upon you. And may his face be ever before your eyes. Go in peace. You're dismissed. Or come for prayer. <laughs>